Hi. I think everybody, everything I want to say has been said, <laughs> which is wonderful in the worship and different things. And what Steve was saying is, you're not just a... And this morning I want to talk about us being the sons of God and us being revealed as the sons of God. Um, because sometimes we forget who we are. And I think it's very important to constantly be reminded of who we are in him. And yeah, and it's a challenge sometimes because we do forget in this world. And it's the passage that I want to speak on first is from Romans 8:19, and I'm going to read it in a Passion Translation. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to, to, decay, to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor of childbirth. And it's not just creation who have ex already experienced the first fruits. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies, being transformed. And whenever God highlights something to me, um, it's often a challenge. It's very encouraging, but it also pushes me to go deeper. Um, and basically, I've not been satisfied with where I am um, and things in general. I think a lot of us feel like that. There is a dissatisfaction. And I'm not satisfied with people being sick. And I know there's many of us in this room who have things going on in our bodies. But Jesus said, by his stripes you were healed. That's the truth. I'm not satisfied with people being out of work and struggling when God says he's come to give us abundant life. It's not good enough. I'm not satisfied with the mental health crisis in the church or in the world when God says he's given us the mind of Christ. Isn't that awesome what he's given us? And God is calling us to be sons and daughters to step in to what he's called us to. I want to step in I want to push out, push up and into all that God's prepared for us. I want to, I don't always know where all the answers are, and I don't, I don't know all the answers, but I know who to look to, and I know who to trust, and I know where to go. How many of you in this room are born again? Then every one of you is a son of God. Isn't that awesome? Every one of you is a son of God. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have gone, the new has come. How did that happen? He who knew no sin was made sin for us. And he clothed us with righteousness and we're perfect in his sight. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And it's not my life I'm living. It's his life inside of me. And that's pretty awesome. Our sins are gone. Everything's gone, it's all finished, it's all done. We are in him, we're in Christ, we're in his love. I once did a study on those phrases alone and I had seven pages, double-sided verses written out. 
And that's a pretty awesome place to start. We're in him. We're in Christ. There's no division. There's no separation at all. We're in him. That's our position in the family. And sometimes for myself, I don't think I, or maybe some of you, haven't always grasped the wonder of our salvation. We constantly need to think and feel and talk to ourselves and remind ourselves that we're royalty. We're king's kids. We have access to the king at any time. All the resources of heaven are at our disposal. And we need to tap into that. And we've heard that this morning, haven't we? The songs that we've sung and the words that have been brought. I now have the very DNA of God in me. Every part of my being is no longer just human being, but a spirit being. I now have to relearn how to live and reconnect to who I truly am. And I've just got a little clip that I think somebody's just going to put up for me, which this came to me on Friday, and I thought it was just perfect. <laughs> is it going to come through? Yeah. It's on its way. Thank you. The artist Rembrandt wrote a signature on his paintings that identified him as the creator of that painting. Atheist Richard Hawking said it's possible that the intelligent being wrote his signature upon his creation. The DNA molecule appears as a double helix. It looks like a spiral staircase. Steps to the spiral staircase are sulfuric bridges, which keeps the two DNA strands attached. Sulfuric bridges occur in this pattern. Every 10 acids, there's a bridge. Every five acids, there's a bridge. Every six acids, there's a bridge. And every five acids, there is another bridge. This pattern repeats over and over. What's the meaning of 10565? Corresponds to the Hebrew letters YHVH. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? The Almighty said, YHVH, tell them I am that I am sent you. God left his signature on every strand of DNA in your body. Like an artist, he's his signature. Isn't that awesome? Woo. Makes you send shivers down your spine, doesn't it? His DNA is in you. You're in Christ, you're in him, and he is in you, which is awesome. Quite often we feed from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We listen to the world system, we listen to the world's narrative, we listen to the lies, we listen to all sorts of rubbish. We should be going to the tree of life. That's where we find our life. Our minds, where do we keep our minds? Whose voice have you been listening to? It's, it's crazy sometimes, isn't it, that we just listen to all sorts of other things. But when we step into, I know Debbie's been fighting for things for her school. She's had to step in to become a son of God, to fight for what she knows is right. And there's other people in here that have had to deal with certain stuff you know, over the years and over the months. But God wants us to grow up. He doesn't want us to be children anymore. He wants us to be true sons. You know, Isaiah 9, it says, Unto us a child was born. Jesus was a child in his father's house, learning the ways of the kingdom. When God saw that he was ready for the family business, he said, Unto us a son is given. He didn't start his journey as a child as such. He learned, he listened, he obeyed. And then when he was ready... He stepped out 
as a son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what God said to him at his baptism when Jesus was baptized in water. What had Jesus done at that time for his father to be well pleased with him? Nothing, really, in the natural. He hadn't done any teaching that we know of. No miracles, no healings, no raisings from the dead. No water yet turned to wine. No thousands fed. But in private, what he had embraced was total surrender, giving up his independence for God's will. And that's what Adam gave up. He gave up total dependence on God. And God is calling us again to total and utter dependency. And we're called sons. And that's how sonship manifests. It can be in little things. It doesn't have to be in massive, great big things. It can be every day, a smile, you know, a, a saying hello, chatting to somebody. That's dependence on God. I'm going to smile at that person. I'm going to go and talk to that person. And how did Jesus get to the place when he was actually ministering? He went and spent time with his father. He spent time alone and he went into the presence of God. Jesus lives inside us now and we can have that same access. If you look at the Gospels of John particularly, there he talks about having um, time with the Father. And he prays. He prays for the people, his disciples, that they may be with him where he is. Isn't that awesome? He wants us to that. He wants them, us, to know him the same way as he knew his Father. And that's how we should be living on a day-to-day basis. His kingdom was within us, and he speaks through his word. It's just awesome. And that's how we hear his voice, learning to practice the presence of God. Many of you know will, will know Brother Lawrence, perhaps heard of him, a monk, many, many moons ago. And he was desperate for the presence of God. He really wanted to be somebody and do something, but mainly with God. But what he wanted to do was take it everywhere he went. So he took it when he was peeling potatoes and scrubbing floors and whatever you do, you know, it's like, you can do it anywhere. You just take the presence of God because we carry the DNA of God. You won't forget that clip, will you? (laughs) Um, We're called into a relationship of intimacy with him. And, you know, we lost it in the garden and now it's time to get it back. Take time in his presence if you can. Some of us are less busy than others. But if you've only got five minutes, just turn your eyes, the eyes of your heart, upwards into him and begin that intimate relationship. Because as you listen and hear, you might have an impression or a feeling or something. You think, that's God and he's telling me to do X, Y, Z. Don't dismiss the little feelings and the little thoughts that you have in your mind. I remember some time ago, I'm just going to tell you a few stories as we go along. Um... And this was a time that I had to do something that I didn't want to do. Um, Somebody asked me to do a job, and I had no qualifications for that job at all. I didn't want to do the job. Um, It wasn't something that was on my radar. I'd retired from one job three times. (laughs) Good company, Diane. Um, And um, this was after the third time. And the job was basically to be a project manager. Well, I've never project managed anything in my life. Um, it was in social housing, social care, and I hadn't done that. I'd only been in, in the nursing field. Um, and it was to set up a domiciliary care unit within a Christian facility of 70 flats to do the care. And after about the third time of being asked by this person, they turned and I said, I, I don't really don't want to do it. It's not, it's not me. 
And um, the person turned around to me and said, Jackie, uh, have you prayed about this? And I went, no, I haven't prayed about it. Because I really had a feeling God would want me to do it. Um, you know, he does that, doesn't he? When you can't do anything, he just, yeah, he just does that to you. So anyway, I knew that I had to do it. So I went through the interview, went through all of the stuff. And it was all a foregone conclusion because it was a bit fixed, really. Um, but after I'd said yes, and I'd, we'd gone through all the paperwork and everything, I just went into total panic, total meltdown. And I thought, there's no way heaven or earth, I cannot do this, I'm going to let everybody down, I'm going to fail, da-da-da-da-da. And we went to a meeting um, at the church, we were a bit late, the last song was being sung, and the guy who was going to speak came up to the microphone, said nothing else, and he said, if God's telling you to do something, just do it. <sighs> and all the, everything that was inside of me just fell to the floor, I thought, okay, I've never project managed anything in my life. I've never set up anything. I've always been part of a team. So I started with not knowing how to start, do anything or whatever. But every day I walked to work, I prayed in tongues, partly because I was scared stiff. Um, and I had to pretend that I knew what I was doing. Um, and every day something happened. It was absolutely incredible. There'd be a phone call. There'd be a comment. I thought, oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And I had to do policies and procedures, safeguarding, uh, set up teaching programs, and oh, goodness knows what. Um, and then after about six months, um, my boss, Pete, another Pete, um, and I had to go up to CQC, Quality, Quality Care Commission, I think that's the word. Um, and we had to have an interview. And I wasn't really prepared for the interview. I'd been so busy trying to put all these policies, procedures, reading up about social care, et cetera, et cetera, together. And Pete had an hour, I had an hour, and then we had another hour together. So three hours with a high-ranking CQC inspector. It was a bit scary. And at the end of the meeting, she said, well, she said, I can see you have no experience whatsoever. <laughs> you have no qualifications whatsoever but I see your passion and your integrity. And she said, I recommend you be manager for this new facility and I will register you if you get yourself in a management course within a week, which I did. <laughs> um, which was, it was incredible, absolutely incredible, totally God, because there's no way I could have done that. I worked there for five years and we never failed CQC inspection, which was awesome. And I left it in good hands and I did retire then after that one. <laughs> completely, completely. Um, it was total dependency. I couldn't have done it any other way. And that's a little bit of sonship. Totally dependent. When we become too independent, we do it our way. We think, oh, I can do that, it's fine. I don't need God. And that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for our dependency on him. He's looking us to live by the spirit. The fruit produced within us is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, Patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, that faith that prevails. And it's not always easy to do that when we come up against different situations that happen. But if we spend that time, even a breath, a couple of breaths, we might go into a room when there's a bad atmosphere or something. You think, oh, I'm not going to work here or can't work, can't do this, can't do that. Just step back, literally step back into his arms and say, Father need your peace. 
how can I take your presence in here, out there? And that's what we're meant to do, aren't we? We're meant to take the presence of God wherever we go. I'm very confident that we can live in heaven now. We don't have to wait till we die. And I know there's many of you here in this room who've had experiences with God in the heavenlies, and it's been amazing. And it's just, it's so precious to be able to spend that time with him in his home, you know, in, in the garden, wherever. Um, and it's just so beautiful. And he's told, he's told us that we are to bring the kingdom of God to rule and reign in the world. We pray it, don't we? Thy kingdom come on earth, as, on, in heaven, as it, yeah, on, earth, right, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, but do we really understand what that means? You know, we have to go into heaven, if you like, into heavenly places in our time alone with him or in our prayer times. We go into heaven and we bring down the strategies, we bring down the ideas, we bring down whatever it is he has for us in this earth. You know, if you're a businessman and you need an idea for your firm, go into the heavenlies and ask him, what do you need? And you'll come up with things that nobody else has come up with and you think, where did I get that from? You know, and it's, it's quite crazy sometimes. Um, I was listening to somebody the other day and uh, he was talking about a heavenly encounter that he'd had. And he was saying it was very early on in his journey into experience God in the heavenlies. And, he's, and God had said to him on his journeys with him, I want you to sort out a particular situation. And he gave him strategies and all sorts of different things over, over a period of time. As he, about a year he spent time in the heavens with, with God. And a couple of years later... Um, he, was, he changed jobs, and he went to another place. And he walked in, it was a school, he'd walked into this school, and he, the job he'd came for didn't actually exist. Um, <laughs> it was a totally crazy situation. There was mayhem going on in the school. Teachers were coming to him, and they were crying, and you know, saying everything was going on. And as he was walking down the corridor to yet another meeting, the father just said to him, do you remember that time when I took you on that journey through the heavenlies? And he said, yeah. He said, what did you do there? What did, what did I teach you? And he said, well, you taught me how to bring things back to life and to change things and do this and that and the other. And he went, oh, is that why I'm here? And everything he'd learned in his time alone with God, he brought into that school. And students from his school even now go to some of his meetings and into the prayer meetings that he has in, in the place where he is. Father had already taught him to rule and reign in the heavenlies so he could bring what was in heaven down to earth into that situation. You know, we're all awesome. We really are, but we don't know it half the time. You know, if we go back to Genesis 1, it says, God made everything, and he made everything good. And you might not believe, about, believe that about yourself, but God didn't make trash. He didn't make seconds. He didn't make rejects. He made treasures. And we can all look at each other and say, you're a treasure. You're a treasure of God. You're special and you're precious. But he also said, let man take dominion over the earth and rule over it. That's our commission, to rule and reign wherever we are. The sad thing is that when Adam left the garden and Satan came in, things changed, didn't they? Satan came in and he trashed the world, basically. He gave us a very distorted view of fathers, which is so sad. Women have been controlled, abused, and traded like possessions. Children abandoned, abused, aborted. 
slavery, poverty, greed, and all those things. But we're called to come into our full identity and step in to rule and reign in all those different situations. Model parenthood, model good fathers, model good mothers, and that kind of thing in all situations. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the film Thin Places. It's, um, it's sort of a documentary, I suppose, about the Celtic saints. Um, and they had, they just lived by the Holy Spirit, really. All they did was do what God told them. They had coracles, round boats. So they'd get on the sea and they'd say, Holy Spirit, take me where you want me to go. <laughs> Bit crazy, isn't it? So, but anyway, that's what they did. And they went to all sorts of places and they just did what God said. And there were other saints who had visions and dreams and were trans-relocated to obey what the Father is doing. And I know there are stories of things like that happening even now. That might be a bit of a stretch for some of us. Um, but think about think people like the Reformers. They heard the voice of God and told them to do various things. They heard God's cry for justice, for the slaves, for poor, needy families. Think about William Wilberforce. The ab abolition of slave trade. Slave trade. <laughs> <laughs> Tripping over my words. Uh, William Booth in the Salvation Army to convert prostitutes, gamblers, alcoholics to Christianity. Bernardo started children's homes. He heard from God and had a heart and did something about it. He started the first form of fostering. Mary Whitehouse, some of you may know her, or men did know her, um, but many of you won't even know the name. Um, she was a British teacher. She campaigned against social liberalism and mainstream British media both of which she accused of encouraging a more pernicious society. Her campaigns were against filth in British TV, radio programs, films, music in the 60s, 70s and 80s. She'd be even more horrified now, wouldn't she? There was a time when the church separated itself from politics and all worldly things, and the father of lies crept in, and lots of things were brought into Parliament which should never have been. And where was I? Where was the church sometimes? Hidden away. Do you know why? Because I didn't realize I could make a difference. I didn't realize there was sun. I didn't realize I could stand up and actually have a voice. I hid because I was scared. That's changed now. I'm not so scared anymore. Still a bit scared at times, but I'm trying to stand up and step up to who I truly am in God. This is a tricky one. Um, Prophetic words. Sometimes there's been prophetic words that we've had that have predicted weather storms, doom and gloom and all sorts of things. Collapse of the NHS, collapse of the economic system, the school system, etc., etc. But are we really going to press in for healing, maybe when the NHS system does collapse? Are we accessing the stores at houses of heaven when financial things collapse? And are we willing to set up Christian schools again to teach our children how loved and precious and how valued they are, with the values of God, not the values of the world. And what about the doom and gloom predictions we had last year, when they were saying, you're not going to have enough not enough food for food bank? Well, that wasn't true. We had an overflow, and we were able to help other, other places. So that's a part of ruling and reigning. Sons stood up and said, no, we're not receiving that. We are a Joseph storehouse, and we are going to rule and reign, and we are going to serve the poor. We don't want the situation to be there at all. We want to get rid of that. We want to bring people into what they need to be. But in the meantime, we will serve the poor. 
Last November, we went to churches together in Chelmsford, and it was the AGM. I'm not over keen on AGMs, but it was amazing. It was so lovely and encouraging, and some of you were there. Where they, so many ministries and teachings and different, you know, all people were coming together, and they were just doing something in our city. They were loving our city, helping our city, and we need to change the world, one city at a time, one, one person at a time. If the disciples of Jesus could change the world, we can change the world too. We touch the world around us one life at a time. But if you have a bigger dream, push into your bigger dream. Go for something that God has put on your heart. When spending time with the Lord a little while ago, I just had this picture of uh, Sleeping Beauty and the prince trying to come and wake up. And I felt that it was the church, Jesus coming lovingly to his church and just kissing her back to life saying, come on, this is what I want you to do. We long for, for our revival and everything that God is bringing in that way. But we need to rise up and be the sons and daughters of God. Be the sons and prince and princesses, whatever you like to call it. We all wear an earth suit, but we're actual spiritual beings, as we've seen earlier. The DNA of, D of God, we're connected to him. This earth suit, we're only here so that we can bring heaven to earth. When um, in history, you may remember, in Roman times, when they came along to take over a culture, they would change the way people did things. They would change the policies, the procedures, the school system, the this, that, and the other. So that those people in those areas lost their identity. We've lost our identity to a certain extent. I know many of us here are really rising up and taking hold of stuff, which is so exciting to see that we're doing everything that we can to rise up. But we have to constantly remind ourselves of our identity in Christ, who we really are, how amazing we are. You know, we don't always feel it, do we? Do we go and say, oh, I'm amazing, I'm wonderful. But we are. We, sometimes we have to look in the mirror and say, I am amazing. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am awesome because I have the very life of God living in me. And we need to say that to ourselves, especially on down days when things go wrong or we may have made a mistake or we've messed up. And Jesus has his arms wide open and he says, come, you may have messed up, but that's fine. It's done. Come. I love you. Let's start again. And I think that is awesome because he doesn't remember. He doesn't, that's the only thing that God is good at, forgetting. <laughs> Not the only thing, the other way around, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, grace does cover everything, but it's not an excuse to stay where we are. We want to move on, don't we? A little while ago, I was chatting to somebody um, about our authority in Christ, about changing weather, about praying for healing, and this, that, and the other. And they weren't very happy with me. You know, they just said, who do you think you are? You know, how do you think, this is a bit wrong. And I thought, well, actually... God has given the earth to the sons of men, and we're meant to rule and reign over it. Jesus gave us the great commission, go into all the world, baptize, make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead. So I, I reckon that's mandate enough to go and do what he said. I can tell you stories of multiplication of food in, a, in Uganda, a place where I've been a couple of times. And every Christmas, they have um, an outreach called Love Your Neighbor, and they, they're very poor. How they manage to do this, I don't quite know, but obviously God provides. Um, they have a cow. And this cow is meant to feed whoever comes. 
And they never know how many people are going to come. could be hundreds. One year it rose to over a 1,000. And Aloysius, the pastor, who's so lovely, he just said, if God has brought them, he will feed them. And they didn't run out of food. And they had food left over from one cow. <laughs> Which you can't feed a 1,000 people on one cow. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's amazing. I have spoken to the weather on a few occasions. Yes, I have. I have spoken to the weather. A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, I was going to pick my grandchildren up from school. And I was five minutes after leaving the house. And the heavens opened. And I was only five minutes away. And I thought, I'm soaked. I really know that I'm going to have to sit for two hours or three hours in wet clothes. I didn't have time to go back and get a change of clothes. So I honoured and I thanked the clouds. I thanked them for their gift of rain. I said, please, I'd really be grateful if you'd stop now, come back after the children have finished being picked up and most people were home from work. And within five minutes, it stopped. <laughs> and then a wind blew and I, could, I was pushing myself along to the wind. By the time I got to my son's house to drop off my bag before picking the girls up, I was dry. I was completely dry and I said, thank you. I really didn't want to sit in wet trousers all day long. A couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine in South Africa was um, with a couple of other friends were going to a spa day. And in Africa, they quite often have their spas outside. They have uh, open-sided thatched huts with wavy curtains and all pretty. And um, they're just three prophetic ladies, ordinary ladies, talking shopping lists and prophetic and kingdom life and all sorts of stuff. And as they went from place to place, they were driven in a little golf buggy. And when they got to one place, the beautician said, do you mind snakes? And my friend said, oh, I don't mind them too much. Um, so quietly, she just spoke to the snakes. And she said, thank you for your part of creation. And I really appreciate it if you just leave us today. And they did. Every time they went to another area, they, they, people commented, I've not seen any snakes today. It was unusual. So anyway, they spoke to them and they'd gone. And because of various things that were happening and the conversations that they were having, having their nails done or their feet done or whatever they were doing, their conversations, the beauticians overheard and they started to ask them questions. And they ended up praying for healing, prophesying and doing all sorts of things. And people commented on the peace of the day and all the different, you know, and no snakes, that was the big one. Um, the kingdom came to those people on an ordinary day because three ordinary ladies took the life of God into where they were on that particular day. I think it's amazing what we can do, isn't it? We just don't realize what effect we can have. It's just, yeah, it's just wonderful. But creation is groaning for us to speak out and do things, whether it's, whether it's the weather or whether, you know, if, Somebody predicts that there's going to, or prophesies that there's going to be a storm. Is it because we've just got to batten down the hatches? Or is it that God's saying, I'm alerting you to say, peace, be still. We're not going to have this. We need that little bit of discernment, don't we? Whether we, whether we batten down or whether we speak to the weather or whether we speak to situations. So, yeah, the, the sons of God are here for a purpose. And we've had a lot of stuff this morning, haven't we? We're not just a. We are amazing. We are amazing. We're awesome. We have the DNA of God within us. We're no longer an oasis 
are a pool, we're a river. And we have hope that those out there do not have. We are bringing healing to the nation, one life at a time, one word at a time, one business at a time, one whatever you're doing. We have to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, expose what's hidden in darkness, bring the light and the glory of God into this world. I'm just going to finish with this scripture so it's, it really nails it down. It's in Romans 12 too, and it's in the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in, in you. So let's be the sons and daughters he's given his life for, to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth. And it's the best possible life you could have. Our joy in him can overflow around and touch the world. This overflow touches everything we do, relationships, family and home life, friends, social activities, work, health, finances, every place our feet treads, we can have influence. So let's rise up and we can be the true sons of God that he's called us to be. Amen. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Whoa. That was good. We've recorded that, so we'll um, reproduce that on the websites so you can hear it again because it's worthy of hearing again, isn't it? Because we need to remember who we are. And that's my message to you as we leave today. You remember who you are, particularly when stuff gets difficult. That's when we remember who we are. So, guys, thanks for coming. Appreciate you all being here. Uh, thanks for visitors, including visitors that have the courage to get up and speak. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Really good. And uh, we'll see you here next week. Don't forget that on Tuesday evening, uh, 5.30 to 7, we have uh, our cafe here called Refresh, uh, which also has a, a food bank attached to it. But we love you to be rent-a-crowd. So if you can come between 5.30 and 7, just come and grab a coffee and sit on the sofas and guess what will happen? Guess what will happen? Somebody will come and they'll hear the word you have for them. Do you believe that? Yeah. Let's do it. Bless you guys. <laughs>